and we need to uh, give God thanks and praise for those blessings. Uh, while we were here uh, last week, enjoying our blessings, and had the uh, fellowship dinner after service. There were shots being fired across town, and uh, seven, I think, shot, and one one uh, died, and it's getting closer and closer to home, folks. And uh, why in the world, with everything that is happening and going on, that it don't shake some people enough to say, hey, I need to quit playing this thing. I need to get all the way in. Because we all should have the question, what would you do when, if evil was to come knocking on your door? Are we living our lives daily to where we have an open communication with God. I don't have no words of comfort to give you that things are going to get better because I do not believe they will ever be better again. I do not believe America will ever be the place she once was because I believe we're that close to the end of time. I believe it's going to digress and get worse. And so, our only hope, <coughs> the only hope I can give you today is that you get in 110% with God and with His church and don't drag your feet no more. Don't put it in coast. Put it in gear and move on. Because the day is coming, you're going to need a lot more God than what you got right now if you're going to survive. Hello. Hello. We need to get down to business with the Lord. We are studying the seven churches in Revelation. And this is the fifth message in the series we are bringing to you today, and I covet your prayers as we minister to the word of the Lord today. Our scripture reading is Revelation chapter 2, and we're going to be reading verses 18 through 29. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, these things saith the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Because you allow that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, 
to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality. She did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her unto great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan as they say, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast what you have till I come, and he who overcomes and keeps my works unto the end, to him I will give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be uh, dashed to pieces like the potter's vessel, as I also have received from my father. And I will give to him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Mighty God and fathers, we come to you today thanking you, God, for this opportunity to be in your house. I pray, God, that you will give us what we need today in wisdom and understanding. I pray that the spirit of revelation will spread across this place and people will light up to see things from your word that never seen or understood before. We thank you now for what you have done and we thank you for what you're going to do. And all these things we ask in the blessed name of Jesus. Let the church say, praise the Lord, you can be seated. Hallelujah. The seven churches in Revelation, today we're going to be talking on Thyatira, the adulterous church, the adulterous church. In our last lesson, we talked about the church that compromised and attempted to coexist with other faiths and beliefs. It was just last week, so you should remember the things that we talked considering that and the dangers of comp compromising when it comes uh, to the Word of God. It represented a time in history to where Constantine ended the persecution of the church with something that is called the Edict of Milan. Now, my notes and the things that I have got that I dug up and studied many years ago took a lot of time uh, to bring the things out, but any one of you now who has access to the Internet can Google the Edict of Milan and you can find out what that was all about. Constantine became emperor, uh, and in 313, the year 313, 
he uh, put a stop to the persecution of Christians. He made a proclamation that protected and gave full rights to Christian citizens of the empire, restoring their property, releasing them from prison, and effectively banning government persecution of their faith. It also declared a general state of religious tolerance, allowing for the expression of virtually any spiritual belief. Now, on one hand, this was good for the church because the nightmare of persecution for a time had ended, and, and we've been talking about everything that they went through <coughs> and all the persecutions and the trials. So they was glad that there was finally a Roman emperor who had a soft spot for the Christian faith. And it was good. They was released from the jails and, and all those things for a short time. But on the flip side of that, it opened up the doors for any pagan belief to enter the church. In fact, if you were a Roman citizen, you were now automatically a Christian, which allowed for spiritual blood poisoning to enter the church and lead her on a dangerous downward slope. You see, the church in Thyatira began to flirt with false doctrine and tolerated a Jezebel spirit to seize control that led the church into the dark ages, forever changing the landscape of the church. Uh, a lot has been said down through the years about Jezebelism but basically what it's all about, the spirit of Jezebelism, is all about control. Amen. Having the upper hand, manip uh, manipulation, and all of those kind of things. And the church began to tolerate and flirt with false doctrine. Jezebel deceived the people by supposedly bringing deeper spiritual enlightenment by her visions and her prophecy and other spiritual gifts. But sadly, this is still a major problem in many Pentecostal circles today. There are many who overlook or disregard apparent truth for what they think may be some kind of hidden mystery that someone claims to uncover. Can I tell you today, don't look for another revelation. The Word of God is the final revelation from God to man. I don't care what kind of dream or vision you have. If it don't line up with the book, it's false. Hallelujah. And the church in Thyatira had a big issue about that. Now, as I've been telling you, there were seven literal churches that he wrote these letters to. But it also, God chose those seven churches 
because it painted a picture of the, of the church and the stages it was going to go through with from Pentecost all the way down to the rapture. And this church in Thyra, Tyra was symbolic of the church when it jumped in the bed, so to speak, with government and false religion. And when we talk about Thyatira, the adulterous church, we're not talking about, uh, when we talk about adultery, we're not talking about where there was a literal thing going on. But there is such a thing, and God constantly uh, came against the people of Israel in the Old Testament because they committed spiritual adultery and spiritual fornication with other gods. And that's what caused God to cut them off. I'm here to tell you today, you can commit spiritual adultery. It is very possible for you to commit spiritual fornication. fornication. And this speaks of the particular time in uh, the life of the church that the Jezebel spirit took control and manipulated and uh, the church became under control over a certain spirit that brought the, the church into the dark ages. And that period of time lasted for a long time. Now, I'm, I only have one point to bring out in my message today. And uh, we're, we're not on any one of these churches. I'm not doing it something exhausted because we're not actually teaching. We're, we're using this as a preaching series. But what I'm trying to do is kind of pinpoint what has happened to the church down through the years and what it's going to be as we get up to the second coming of Christ. What I'm going to be talking today about the point I want to bring out is come out my people. Come out my people. We told you last week about the dangers of compromise. And we cannot join hands with anybody that comes down the pike for the sake of just getting along. Amen. There is a truth of God's word that we've got to stand on. It's a foundation. Hallelujah. And every building that's got a church sign on it just because it's got a church sign on it and it's got a name of a particular denomination, it don't mean it's one of the churches that Jesus has. There's a lot of churches out there that's run by man, run by organization, run by some kind of system that Jesus has no part with it. <coughs> now, to identify who this woman is, Jezebel, we got to first use spiritual discernment and rightly divide the Word of God. 
Now, some people think Jezebel, and I, you know, if you'll look some of this up and study, some people say, well, there, there was a woman there in the church of Tyre, and she, uh, her name was Jezebel, and she called herself a prophetess, and she, uh, uh, she misled the people. What I've been teaching you on Wednesday night as we're talking about our lesson on Wednesday night, when you read the Word of God, you've got to understand whether or not the Scripture you're reading is to be taken literally, spiritually, amen, symbolically, or allegorically. Amen. You've got to have that understanding or you're going to misunderstand the Word of God. I'll give you, give you an example. I was... Uh, I, I, was, I was listening to a guy preach on TV one time, and he was, he was preaching about the, the man that had uh, uh, the demons in him when Jesus uh, got off the ship and went up there, and, you know, he was living among the tombs, and uh, he, he was naked. They couldn't keep clothes on him. They tried to chain him, and he would break the chains. Everybody knows that story. And if you'll recall, when Jesus was talking to the spirit of the man, he asked him what his name was. He said, Legion, because we are many. Well, this one fellow was preaching a message one Sunday, and the, the title of his message was The Man Called Legion. The man's name was not Legion. Legion was the name of the spirits that he was possessed with. That's what I'm talking about, that you've got to have some discernment about you to understand what part of the Bible is meant literally and what is meant spiritually. And there was not no woman by the name of Jezebel in Thyatira who called herself a prophet. Amen, it was misleading the people. He was referring to the spirit of Jezebel that is just as much prevalent today as it ever has been. Jezebel was not a woman, a prophetess in the church there. But I submit to you that Jezebel was, some, uh, was symbolic representing papal Rome and the emergence of the false church. I'm telling you who this is. And I'm telling you this place, the church at, at the year 313, Amen. When the church jumped, God says, I'm, you're getting into a sick, and he called it a sick bed. And the reason why he called it a sick bed, there's nothing healthy about it. Hallelujah. It's a spiritual disease, a, a cancer. Do you realize you've heard from this pulpit for many years, amen, and others that was in it behind me, that all false doctrine and teaching began to spring up in the third century at the Council of Nicaea when they got in there and they began to change things that has been taught and preached since Pentecost. Hallelujah. This woman that he calls Jezebel, to let you know who she was, she is the mother of, harlot church of revelation and the cry of god back then and the cry of god now is come out 
of her my people. God has no part with it. He hasn't, he's had no part from the beginning. Let me go back. I, I didn't have this plan, but I but 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 I I really feel this if I can see this in my notes because I didn't deal much with it uh, on the Sunday that I, that I was speaking. You recall when Jesus wrote to the church of Ephesus, and he's telling them about returning back to the first love. But he commended them over something. And what he commended them over was, he says that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which God also hates. Who were these people that God called the Nicolaitans? There again, in the book of Acts, when the church ordained the first deacons, one of the deacons named, the Bible recalls his name was Nicholas. Along with Stephen was another. Philip was another. There were seven of them. And because the first deacon in the church, one of them was called, his name was Nicholas, some have wrongly identified him and said, well, evidently he went out and he started a doctrine and a teaching that God hated. This had nothing to do with this man. The term Nicolaitans comes from two Greek words. Nico, which means to conquer or overthrow. And leso, which means the people or laity. When you put the two together, it means victory over the people or victory over the laity. You see, when the church came in with papal Rome, they created a hierarchy, and they put the, the priest on a high pedestal, and people began to worship them instead of worshiping God. Amen. <laughs> and they suppressed the body, the laity. Hallelujah. This was the beginning of Roman Catholicism. Still today, people call the Pope the Reverend Most Holy Father. I guarantee you he ain't my father. And if the man was any man of God at all, come on somebody. When somebody addressed him as such, he should stop him right there. Because then, wait a minute, don't call me your father because the Bible says, call no man your father on this earth. It's still hard for a lot of people to understand that the church went through the dark ages and a much of the truth of the word of God was hidden away. Hallelujah. But God said, you need to come out of her, my people. Come out of her and be not partakers of her sins. Revelation chapter 18, verses 4 through 8. I want to read those passages of Scripture. 
and I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works. And the cup which she has mixed, mixed double for her. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen at Jezebel's spirit. I am no widow and I will not see sorrow. Therefore her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. My, 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 my. Hallelujah. Revelation 17, verses 1 through 5. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying, to me, come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. What are we talking about today? We're talking about spiritual fornication, spiritual adultery. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit on a scarlet beast, which uh, was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. That represents the city of Rome, my friends. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations of the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother, mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. The world today is still reeling under the effects of the birth of this system. And the bed that the scripture talks about represents the union. In the Bible, the, a bed represents uh, a marriage uh, union. There's a scripture in the New Testament that says marriage is honorable and all, and the bed is undefiled. But whoremongers, God would judge. Amen. So when he says, <coughs> you're going to be cast into this bed, it represents the union. And when that thing came together, this, this spirit, the, who the Bible calls the mother of harlots, they come in, they took control, they, they put a heavy burden on all the laity of the church. They come up with this idea of when they come together and have their services, they would do all the singing and all the reading in the Latin language. The reason why that they did that is nobody out there could even understand what was being said. Amen. 
you had to depend on the priest who taught you and told you this and this and this. You didn't have a Bible. You didn't have, I have no understanding. And so they kept the thing hid from people for hundreds of years during the time which many of the truths of God's word was concealed. They came up with the Trinitarian formula of water baptism, which everybody, and I, we've, we've got pampas back here. I, I can get you some if you want to. It is proven history for the first 300 years. Everybody who was baptized was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They come up and they united paganism with church teaching. And now, you know, they, they got all of their idols and they pray to this one and they pray to that one. They pray to Mary, which don't do them a lick of good. Amen. I'm not trying to be harsh or hateful to nobody, but there is so many people in darkness of understanding of what the truth of the word of God says because it has been kept from them and hid from them all this time. Hallelujah. I am so thankful that God raised up a man by the name of Martin Luther who went and he tacked his theses on the, on, on the castle in Germany and he began to speak out against the indulgences of that, of that church in that day. That's where the church went through this period where the, the gospel and so many things was changed. <laughs> but here we are in this day, in this age, during the last time, there's a scripture in the Bible that says there's coming a day. There would not be a day, has been a day like it. It said, but in the end time, there would be light. In the end time, there would be light. And at the turn of the, of the, uh, the century of 1901, when people begin to gather together and begin to pray and seek the face of God, and their heart's cry was, they have got to be something more than this. <coughs> a little lady by the name of Agnes sat in a chair in the midst of a meeting. And her cry was, I want everybody to pray for me that God will fill me with the Spirit in the same order as it came on the day of Pentecost. And she became the first lady in 1900 to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues. Glory to God. What's happening? I tell you what's happening. From that point unto this, God says, let me tell you something. I am coming back after bride and I'm not going to marry a harlot. 
I'm not coming back after a harlot. I'm coming back after a bride, pure and white, that has made herself ready. And it's not a shame to be called by my name. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And he has been raising up that church, that bride. Amen. All this time. And, and church, I declare unto you now. Amen. We're in that process. We're, we're in, the, uh, uh, in the ready room. Hallelujah. Amen. I can remember back in 1972 uh, when Darlene and myself got married over at FAC. Uh, amen. I was, I was back in one area and, and, and she was there in, in, in one room that I, I couldn't see her. And, and, uh, and they were in people in there helping her get her gown on and, and all that stuff. They were making her ready. Hallelujah. I, I want you to get a picture today, amen, that Jesus Christ has got his true church in the ready room, amen, he is getting us ready, amen, for that great coronation day when he comes back after his bride, hallelujah, and she's going to be white and pure, oh, hallelujah, I'm ready for the day, I long to see him, oh, give him praise right now in Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's all stand together right now. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, mighty God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The altars are open. If you want prayer, if you hear God talking to you about anything, we give you this opportunity right now. If you so Brother Sammy, I haven't really yet got in that ready room. Well, you better get in that ready room. And you better prepare. Because Jesus is soon to return. And those that are ready are going to be caught up to meet him in the air. Hallelujah. Will I